0: And so in horses, it makes up such a big proportion of their digestive tract that we really need to put a lot of emphasis in keeping that healthy. Welcome to this week's episode of Healing Horses with Alicia. Today I'm going to talk about the equine microbiome. This might be a term you're familiar with. You may have read about it or have you studied it all or have a basic understanding of horse digestion. This term most likely came up. We're going to go into a little bit more detail about the equine microbiome and why it is so important for general health and how horses use that microbiome to really support their immune systems, nutrition, energy levels. And it really affects all aspects of their health. Now, historically, or, you know, if you've read about the equine microbiome, it's typically associated with the hindgut in the horse. So the digestive system in the horse includes the mouth, the teeth, stomach, small intestine. And then in horses, they have a large hindgut and that makes up about 65% of the digestive tract. And that's made up of the large intestine and the cecum. And so in horses, it makes up such a big proportion of their digestive tract that we really need to put a lot of emphasis in keeping that healthy. Because if the hindgut's not healthy, they are not going to be able to digest very well. And you'll see this in a lot of horses. One of the first thing I see break down a lot is digestion. They're not fermenting their fiber very well. And that can present as diarrhea. It can present as fecal water, uh, leaky gut. Ulcers. So any of those digestive conditions, the microbiome is heavily involved. And so if we can take steps to making sure that we're giving that microbiome what it needs to stay healthy, and we're avoiding things that make it unhealthy, you're going to go a long ways for preventing a lot of health issues down the road. So in the hind gut, it has about. 10 to 15 bacterial cells. So uh, for those of you that remember a basic math, 10 to the 15 would be 10 and 15 zeros. Trillions of bacterial cells hang out in that hindgut. The hindgut, the cecum and the large intestine, it holds about just over 100 liters, give or take, I guess, depending on the horse uh, and what's happening in there. So there's a lot of fluid in there and a lot of bacterial cells. And that's what we're really trying to support when we're talking about supporting the microbiome. Those bacterial populations have a really big job to do. In the gut. they ferment complex and structural carbohydrates. And this is where horses get about 75% of their energy. So fermentation of those complex and structural carbohydrates produce volatile fatty acids. And that's what horses use as an energy horse to fuel them, fuels their whole body. So one thing that I know happens when a horse's microbiome is really out of balance is energy level struggle. And I see this a lot with especially metabolic horses because their metabolism is already struggling and many of those horses have imbalances in their digestive system. It's just the nature of the diet that got them there in the first place. So that's an important thing to remember because so much of their energy comes from this process. We really want to pay attention to keeping it healthy. The other thing that the process of fermentation does in the hindgut is it produces B vitamins and amino acids. So if your horse isn't able to ferment their fiber adequately, meaning there's an imbalance in their hindgut, some digestive issue or condition preventing them from healthy fermentation, uh, often one of the deficiencies are B vitamins because they're just not producing the B vitamins required by the body. So watch your B vitamins in horses as well. And it's something that's not as talked about. Like I'd never see a B complex on the shelf. Not that I recommend them anyways, uh, but we really aren't as far as horse health focusing very much on B vitamins. And they're very important because most horses do have an imbalance in their hindgut. It's just, you know, the environment that they're in and the food source, the level of toxicity they're exposed to. And I'll get all, I'll get to more of that um, in a little bit here. So it also produces amino acids, important for uh, connective tissue, right? It builds all the tissue in the body, those amino acids. So we want to make sure that our horses are nourished. And this is a good example of how it's not just dependent on what you put in their mouth. It is, are the processes working properly the way they should be in the body? Is the chemistry working in a healthy way for them? So byproducts of fermentation also include methane gas, carbon dioxide, ammonia, water, and heat. And so in a balanced horse, when fermentation is healthy, all of this happens in a really balanced way. It's when things start to get out of balance that we run into trouble with them. 95% of the water and electrolytes in the hindgut is also reabsorbed by the body. So there's a big fluid balance here and about hydrating the body that's important too. So as we know, we're always paying attention to our horses' water intake. Sometimes this can depend on, you know, temperature, weather, and all of that, but it also has to be working in the body where their uh, cells and their tissues are getting hydrated enough. So what is the microbiome? The definition of the microbiome is that it's a complex network of microbes that exist in a particular environment. So this can include bacteria, it includes fungus, it includes protozoa, and it also includes yeast too. There is yeast always present in healthy levels. But I also know that when the microbiome starts to go sideways or the health starts to decline or this population starts to move in an unhealthy direction, yeast can kind of take over too. So and this is relevant in horses as well. So at one time, while well, there's still much of the industry is just focused on the hind gut when we refer to the microbiome. And they're doing ongoing research all the time on bacterial populations, the microbiome, and how it affects health, period. There's a lot of research going on for humans and other species. This is something that's an area that I think is still very confusing because we are limited in the method. You know, How do you get in there and actually see what these bacterial populations are doing in a living body? So it's not the same to do an autopsy after... Life is gone, right? So how do you actually test those bacterial populations, the metabolism of each one as well? You know, what are they producing? What are they eating? How are they working together? All of that is very hard to do experiments on. So we are still learning all the time. And as technology advances, we learn more and that's still going on all over the world. So they're coming up with new species and strains that they're finding all the time. And you can find research out there on all of that. But one thing I do want to bring to your attention is that it's not just about the hindgut. We now know that it is not just the gut that houses the microbial ecosystem. and in horses, a hind gut houses a large majority of those microbes, but because they depend on it for forage utilization and energy production. But we know now that every organ has a localized population of microbes, including the skin right? So the skin has a very important immune system and so does the respiratory tract. So anywhere in the horse that's exposed to outside environmental factors. So the skin is the barrier between the environment and the inner body. So it's a protective barrier. And then we also have the respiratory tract where it's exposed to particulates and things that they're inhaling and getting from their environment. And we also have the digestive tract. So they're consuming food and a lot of outside microbes and particles and toxins and things like that. So that's where a large majority of the immune system is found in horses in those three areas. We do find localized populations of microbes there. So we know that it's important for immunity, right? Those microbes are helping the horse uh, in a lot of ways protect from outside pathogens and outside microbes that might not be serving the horse very well. But I think the most important implication is that if every organ has a localized population of microbes around it, there is also a lot of communication between those microbes. And so a huge topic of study and also fascination, I think, in the world is what is this innate intelligence all about how does our bodies know just to keep you know these functions going how does it know to produce certain things or switch its metabolism or you know there's a lot of innate intelligence that's still really misunderstood and so now they're looking at the communication between all these different microbial populations in different locations in the body. And so that's kind of a thing we need to pay attention to, that it's not just the gut; We need to be supporting the microbial populations all throughout the body so that we maintain a healthy network of communication. So another factor I want to bring up is that every horse has a unique fingerprint of microbial populations. So, and I know this just from my work with horses that every horse is so different. You know, they come from different environments. They have a different genetic blueprint. They've been exposed to different factors, whether it's stress or health events that have influenced the microbial populations that they have. So it only makes sense that every horse is going to be a little bit more unique in that way. We also know that the diversity of these microbial populations has a huge impact on good health. So the gastrointestinal tract has been shown to have very distinct differences in microbial populations. For example, like the ecosystem of the foregut in the stomach, those populations are going to be different than those in the hindgut. And the closer they are in location, the more similarities the populations share. So this kind of makes sense from a communication standpoint. If you've got different populations all throughout the body, there should be some communication there. You know, like that would just be um, a good thing to have if you're trying to make a huge operation function properly. There should always be communication in the body. So we know also that it is not the cells that maintain healthy function of the body. So all our individual cells that we have in our body It is rather the diversity, the microbiome that is contributing in a large way to good health, whether it's immunity, metabolism, digestion, detoxification. I think it helps with pretty much every bodily function uh, that our horses have every second of the day. In 2019, the Animal Microbiome published a paper that stated microbiomes of non-domesticated horses include a more diverse spectrum of microbiota compared to those of domesticated horses. And so this is, I know this in in the domestic world, we just all struggle to keep our horses healthy. And I believe that this is one of the reasons is because horses in the wild, they are moving through terrain and they're exposing themselves to a lot of different pathogens all the time. Not just pathogens, meaning unhealthy bacteria, but are exposing themselves to all new microbes and fungus and protozoa and their immune system is learning as it goes. Well, you can't replicate that in a domestic world. And for that reason, I think that's a huge factor in why some of our horses are so immunocompromised is they just haven't had the opportunity to go and learn. Their bodies have not been exposed to a lot of things. And so when something foreign comes into their sphere or into their body, they don't have the immunity. They just absolutely don't have the immunity to defend itself. The microbes and all the different populations also have other functions. They produce chemicals. So microbes depend on their environment to stay alive, but they also, as a product of their metabolism, produce things that are helpful for the body. So I talked about the B vitamins already, but they also produce chemicals and other substances that signal cellular activities and regulate metabolic pathways. A couple of these chemicals, I'll just give you a couple of examples. One of them is butyrate, and this is a product of fermentation that contributes to gut health and also protects against disease. And we also have glutathione. Uh, You may have heard about glutathione if you're up on the human health. It's one of the most powerful antioxidants and one of the most abundant in humans. But it protects cells against oxidative stress and facilitates detoxification as well. So you can already see that if some of the healthy microbes aren't available to the horse and they're not able to produce things like B vitamins and butyrate and glutathione, Already, we have compromised digestion, compromised immunity, and a lot of other bodily functions aren't going to get done as well. I'm just giving you reasons here why we should be supporting uh, the microbe populations at all times in our horses. Another job that they have is they produce neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters send signals to the brain versus the vagus nerve. So neurotransmitters are found in the brain. But we now know that these microbes produce some of them, like serotonin is an example, and also dopamine. For horses, especially, I'm thinking about the PPID horses, dopamine is a big, big part of that problem. So making sure that we our horses have a healthy gut also affects their brain health, and it affects their neurotransmitters, which then affects all the other hormones in the body. So serotonin... It's been found that gut bacteria produce up to 95% of the body serotonin and it also produces dopamine and all those signals get transmitted up the vagus nerve between the gut and the brain. We know this in humans, we know this in general health, that there is a big gut-brain connection and in horses, uh, we need to pay attention to that more because of the epidemic of Cushing's with PPID that we're seeing. A lot of that comes from dopamine levels in the brain. So this is just another reason to really support gut health for those Cushing's horses. If you are ready to dive into the world of holistic horse health and all it has to offer, I invite you to join me for my 12-week online signature program, Healing Horses Zero This program only runs once per year, and I'm excited to announce the doors are now open to welcome the class of 2024. Registration is now open. Inside, you'll learn how to formulate natural health programs using diet, lifestyle, single nutrients, herbs, and homeopathic remedies. And this course will also empower you with the tools and confidence you need to make informed decisions and take charge of your horse's health. If you want to learn more or you're ready to register, you can look in the show notes for the links. There's one link that will take you to a page to learn more about the program and how it's run, and the other link is just to get registered right away. I can't wait to welcome you. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the environment those microbes like, just to give you an idea of what we should be supporting, what we should be trying to do, what the objective is when we're supporting health. And one of the things that's important to these microbes is pH. And the pH of a healthy hindgut should be anywhere between 6.4 and 6.7. But there's a lot of things that influence that. And one of the biggest things that influence that is the over-fermentation of starches and sugars. That process produces more lactic acid, which drops the pH in the hindgut. And when this happens, healthy bacteria start to die and unhealthy bacteria start to thrive because bacteria and those microbes absolutely have a preference in how acidic they like their environment. They care about things like temperature and also they care about things like food source, like what's available for us to eat. And that metabolic process of using fuel that's available to them and producing other substances is also plays a big role in our horse's health. So I gave the example of the B vitamins and butyrate and glutathione, like it produces these substances. So if we don't have the right bacteria in the right community to do that, because they all work together, that's when you see health challenges start to come up with horses. And just to make a note here, you might not notice this in a younger horse because they're very fresh and new and they're resilient, especially if they've had a really good start from mom, meaning they get a lot of their innate immune system from their mom during nursing. And then once they're weaned, they're on their own and then they start learning from the environment. So it's really important to support these horses right from the beginning, even if there's nothing wrong with them, right? On, on the outside, everything looks good. It's usually when they get to about 15, 16 years old that you'll start to see little issues start to crop up. So if the pH of the hindgut drops too low for too long, the structure and function becomes compromised and then you start seeing changes in the tissues. Um, And it starts with damaging the microbiome, but then it starts to affect the tissues. And so this is a big cause of acidosis or leaky gut which I'll probably do a whole other episode on at some point. All this excess acidity also causes inflammation. So for these horses that are stiff, arthritic, laminitic, right? So they already have a lot of inflammation in the body. Make sure we are supporting that hindgut. So when we have a very acidic environment in that hindgut and that healthy bacteria start to die, more toxins are released. So, this process can actually generate a lot of toxicity, not just in the gut, but all throughout the body. And as I mentioned, this also can cause a lot of inflammation too. So we really want to be mindful that it's not just the toxins of what we're putting into them. It's also the toxins that get created from fostering these unhealthy bacterial levels. And I've heard a lot of speakers and leaders out there in the field say that, you know, this is not about unhealthy versus healthy, like it's a community, it's an ecosystem, which I get. But I also have seen a lot of horses kind of come down with infections, right? They're infections from pathogens because we are not fostering the right populations of bacteria in their hind gut. So once these toxins start to migrate into general circulation, that's when we start seeing a lot of issues, and that is more on the leaky gut topic, but the next step from leaky gut is auto-intoxication, where the whole body is starting to become toxic, and it all starts with not looking after those microbial populations in a healthy way. So I want to talk about some of the factors here that we need to be paying attention to that damage the microbiome, that lower that pH, that fosters unhealthy bacteria. I'm going to focus more on the feed aspect today, but forage and feed are number one, right? because they are serving as the fuel for these microbial populations. Unhealthy microbes don't have what they need to eat, then they die. right? They can't live and they can't thrive. Of course, it always has to be a balance, but we don't want them taking over and infecting Right. That's that's what we're trying to do here. Stress levels is another factor. So horses under long term stress, the last thing we're thinking about are bacteria populations in the horse's eyeing gut. But we do know that has a huge impact on their gut health. Horses, stress and digestion just go hand in hand. And that's why we see a lot of the acute colic situations as well. Horses that are stressed, we always want to be mindful of their digestion in that way. But we also want to watch the microbial population. So stress, long-term stress, really creates a lot of acidity in the body as well, um, which, of course, is going to influence those populations. And then the rest of the chemicals that we put into our horses, and that includes dewormers. So making sure that we're just being responsible about our deworming programs, we're not over deworming and then not supporting that hind gut. That is a key point to just keep in mind, you know, and this is gonna vary depending on the situation and, you know, does your horse have ongoing parasite infections? Are they high shedders? Where do they live? Are they in a high risk environment? All of those factors have to be taken into account. Uh, but I certainly don't like seeing horses wormed every three months with not a lot of thought given onto what chemical dewormers you're using because this, that creates a lot of parasite resistance too. So making sure that you just, you're being specific and deliberate about how you're deworming your horse and you're not wiping out healthy bacterial populations and then not replacing them, like not supporting that hindgut to uh, overcome a lot of that chemical. Um, And medications, I used to think that, you know, maybe it was just the dewormers, maybe it was just the antibiotics, right? Because they kill off uh, a lot of healthy bacteria too. It's all medications. And I know this because of just the horses that I work with. And I just hear owners say, yep, after this medication... There was fecal water episodes or there was diarrhea or there was bloating, distension, cramps, you know, like all of those types of symptoms. So all medication serves as a source of toxicity. The definition of toxicity means anything that can damage healthy cells. So we have to keep that in mind as well, that we're not over medicating. And if you need medication, make sure you're always supporting that hind gut before, during and after. And I alluded to this already, but age is a big deal for these horses because the longer, you know, the over fermentation of starches and sugars and commercial grains go on, the longer they're stressed, the more dewormer they've had, the more medicated they've been, the more unhealthy their hind gut's going to be, the more damaged their microbiome is going to be. So age just means a lot of this has gone on for longer. Uh, and more of it. So it's not, you know, and I hear a lot of people say, well, he's always been fine. The food's been fine. It's all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. He turned 15 and everything went downhill. Well, it was already happening much longer than that. It's probably been going on for a lot of years. But what happens is the body gets to a point and it says, I just can't. I just cannot do this anymore. There's too much toxicity, not enough support. I'm deprived of nutrition it's over. I can't do it anymore. And then that's when you start seeing an expression of disease, basically, is what it is. And that can present in any which way. So whatever you're doing for prevention, I, I would say this would be one of the most important things to do, is, is support a healthy bacterial population, support the gut, and it helps with overall better nutrition too, because they produce nutrients. So I just want to say a few things about feed and forage. And then in the next episode, I'm going to talk more on how to support these bacterial populations, including uh, using probiotics. So firstly, we have to watch the excess fermentation of sugars and carbohydrates. They absolutely will tilt the microbes because of the effect on the pH of the hindgut. And the grain that affects pH the most or has the biggest influence on dropping that pH is corn. So if your horse is on a commercial feed, run to your feed room and take a look at that ingredient list. I don't like seeing corn on any ingredient lists for any horse that I work with. Usually the horses I work with are having some health challenges. So that definitely we have to make sure that we're supporting good healthy pH levels in the right range just to make sure that those bacterial populations are staying alive that we need that we need. Commercial feeds, grains, and and grass too. So every horse has is gonna have a different tolerance level, but grass, of course, because of the sugars are going to feed certain populations of bacteria. Sometimes we don't want those bacterial populations being fed. So this is one of the reasons we do have to watch sugar aside from blood sugar and insulin levels. They do feed unhealthy bacteria. And I've had horses that have had kind of low-grade scratches, mud just little bacterial-type infections. Nothing major, serious, but they're just always there. And one of the first things I do is like, let's get them off the grass for now because all that sugar is going to feed that bacteria. And so sometimes that has to be the first step. So depending on the situation with your horses, just being on a lot of grass without hindgut support, you're eventually going to probably run into issues there or your horse will. And we do associate, we always associate, you know, the health of the hindgut, the pH with sugar. You know, the whole industry is running from sugar just because of all the metabolic issues. It's not just about sugar and grains. There are other dietary imbalances that absolutely serve as a source of toxicity for the digestive system, especially the hindgut. And that includes excess protein. So horses on 100% alfalfa diets, right? That should never be happening. I'll talk about that in a different episode. But our horses ferment fiber, not alfalfa, like just protein from alfalfa. So that's just something you want to be mindful of. Too much dietary oils. Horses are not designed to eat oil, like concentrated oils. They like plants and they like getting their essential fatty acids from plants too. So watch the dietary oils for your horse. Feed byproducts. So this is usually the ingredients you see in feed bag. Just be careful about all of those. Do you know what they are? You know, It's a really good exercise for everybody actually to go through their ingredient list and just see what everything is that's in there artificial flavorings or colorings, and also dairy byproducts. And that includes whey. I don't like dairy products for horses. They are not designed to eat cow milk or byproducts of cow milk. So I really stay away from those with horses. And of course, molasses too, because it's just sugar. It's just sugar. That's all it is. So Watching those things and just being aware that it's not just about commercial grains and sugar necessarily uh that causes these issues with the hindgut. It's all the other sources of toxicity that they're exposed to that they're eating out of all the other food they're getting. So that should give you quite a few tips there to kind of, you know, it's not just about supplements and what we're giving them. It's also what we shouldn't be giving them. I would say, I would say maybe about 60 to 70% of the time I'm taking horses off of stuff just because they clearly have health challenges. If whatever they were eating or getting supplemented with was working, it wouldn't be in front of me. So I just really like to make sure that we're keeping things simple. We're keeping things clean and we're doing things that make sense for the horse's digestive system. And most importantly, we're really supporting a healthy gut and a healthy microbiome. So I hope that helped you today kind of figure out where to start with your horse, if whether you're practicing prevention or you might be uh, trying to recover your horse from something too. Maybe they have some health challenges. So we'll see you next week and next week's episode will be all about how to maintain healthy pH and how to select your probiotics.